Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Thursday, June 17th, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's episode covers the press event held previously this week on Tuesday, June 15th, to announce LA County's historic reopening milestone. The event was led by LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Hilda Solis, followed by updates from Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health, and Christina Galley, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Healthcare Services. To keep up with the latest updates and guidance on COVID-19, you can follow us across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Supervisor Solis. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. Bienvenidos. I'm Supervisor Hilda Solis and currently serving as chair of the LA County Board of Supervisors. And at long last, the day that so many of us have been waiting for has finally arrived, the full reopening of Los Angeles County. And we have so many people to be thankful to and for. Today we stand before you at the Music Center, a piece of where we celebrate people and culture through music and art. And while today is certainly a day to commemorate, we also want to take this moment to reflect on what has been a difficult and heartbreaking year and a half. I'm so very honored and privileged to be here to join you today to stand by these resilient men and women, heroic residents also who have served on the front lines of our health care, our crisis responders and other essential community workers that are with us today. Without them, without them, simply put, we wouldn't be here today. I want to give you a round of applause. It's been nearly 17 months since the first confirmed COVID-19 case appeared in our county on January 26 of 2020. In almost 15 months to the day, LA County issued its first first health order on March 16, 2020, to call on county residents to work together to flatten the curve and save lives. Our county, as you know, and our residents and our businesses and our community partners, we've all been through so much together. And for many, this last year and a half has been filled with fear, anxiety, uncertainty, and loss. And some and many stayed home whenever they could, keeping distance from loved ones in an effort to keep people safe. Businesses and restaurants pivoted to keep their workers and customers safe. Unfortunately, some have not recovered. Houses of worship shifted modes of service. Students, parents, teachers adjusted to new methods of learning. And then there was the devastating health consequences. Over 1.2 million residents tested positive for the virus, and over one in 10 county residents was impacted. And tragically, we lost well over 23,000 lives. And in their memory, I'd like for us to take a moment of silence to remember them. Thank you. Each of these lives represented much more than just a figure or a number. 
Some were doctors and nurses, custodial workers who selflessly put their lives on the line during the pandemic. Some were our first responders, our firefighters, our EMS workers who responded to COVID-related crisis calls even at homes. Many worked at busy grocery stores and other essential businesses. They didn't have an option, many of them, to stay home, and they had to come to work each day, keeping our county running. Some were residents of nursing homes who were especially devastated by this pandemic. All of them have friends and family who will dearly miss them. And I know many of us are excited for what may lie ahead, but for the loved ones of those we lost, moving forward will not be easy. And on top of that loss, the pandemic laid bare systemic inequities that we now face. Though this pandemic impacted everyone, it didn't affect everyone equally. Our low-income communities of color took the brunt of the health and economic consequences. Throughout this pandemic, Latinx residents have been the, the most likely to contract and ultimately pass away from this disease. Until very recently, African-American black residents, their caseloads and deaths have also surpassed now the Latino community. These are communities who make up our essential workers, many who lived in multifamily units and could not isolate in the comfort of their homes and thus spread the disease to other close contacts. And they have suffered from years of underinvestment, lacking access to health care, and living in polluted areas impacting their overall well-being, resulting in chronic conditions that made them even more vulnerable. We owe it to those who lost and those who continue to suffer from these inequities and to commit to make it right. We cannot go back to the way things were, simply put. We have faced terrible loss and sacrifice, but there's also been tremendous strength. And I have watched firsthand as communities have come together across this county. Despite being physically apart to meet the needs of our residents, I've seen doctors and nurses sign up for extra shifts at hospitals to care for sick patients. I've seen residents go to the grocery store to pick up food and supplies for their elderly neighbors to protect them from COVID. And I've partnered with many community and faith-based organizations that have asked, how could I help, Supervisor? And if they would, many did step up to the plate and allow us to use their spaces and also helped us serve as vaccination sites. I've seen businesses change their operating models multiple times to respond to varying levels of the virus in our community and do whatever it took to keep workers employed. These are the moments that kept me going and had me there and gave me strength to move on as well, as many of you here have also gone through. It is because of your work that we have to remember the people whose lives were saved as well. As Vice Chair of the County Board of Supervisors when this pandemic began, and as Chair since last December, I felt and compelled to do something to help provide a response. This was especially personal to me since I represent a district that was hit the hardest. And I am proud of the work our county has done to meet the needs of all of our residents during this once in a century pandemic. Since the start of the pandemic, 
over 50,386 county employees have served as disaster service workers, providing assistance and service to the many, many thousands of county residents. The county hired more than 900 prometores who provided culturally and linguistically appropriate door-to-door -door outreach to well over one million residents in hardest hit areas. They distributed over 700,000 face masks and nearly 200,000 hand sanitizers and have gone door to door encouraging our residents to get vaccinated. We also provided care and support to our most vulnerable populations, including people experiencing homelessness. Through Project Room Key, we provided 8,000 people with temporary housing to protect them from the virus, including communities like in my district, Monterey Park. And through Project Home Key, we provided over 800 individuals with interim and permanent supportive housing to help them get back on their feet. There are plenty of examples. In my own district, Baldwin Park, had begun oper operating an interim housing facility, and the City of Commerce has now set up a permanent supportive housing site. These are just a few examples of what has happened across the county. And overall, the county has purchased 10 hotels and motels with approximately 850 rooms to provide interim and permanent supportive housing to people experiencing homelessness. We even used $43 million worth of CARES Act funds to build 232 units of interim housing for homeless men and women. We did this, the Board of Supervisors, and with your help. City and community leaders in Pomona also stepped up to support at the Fairplex as a quarantine and isolation site, a testing site, and also served as a mega vaccine pod. And now, of all things, they're providing temporary housing and services to over 600 unaccompanied children. Cities like Bell, El Monte, and Ballwood Park stepped up forward to service testing sites. And when the vaccines became available, we got to work quickly. From larger megapods administering thousands of vaccines a day to smaller community sites located in hard-hit communities to mobile units bringing vaccines directly to our residents, we assembled a massive vaccine system in the county. And we thank our departments, the leadership, our Department of Public Health, Dr. Ferrer, Dr. Galley, Health Services, our firefighters, everyone that is here. In the first district, we established community vaccination clinics in East Los Angeles, Southeast LA, Baldwin Park, El Monte, just to name a few. We now have over 750 sites administering vaccines countywide, thanks to our departments, the majority of which no longer require appointments. And it's thanks to these efforts that over 9.6 million vaccines have been administered countywide. 65% of residents aged 16 and above have received at least one dose of the vaccine, with 54% fully vaccinated. And most importantly, over 86% of our seniors, those most vulnerable, have received at least one dose. And we have seen as our case rates plummet, with LA County now enjoying some of the lowest case rates in the state, and being the first Southern California County to enter in the state's least restrict restrictive yellow tier. And it's because of this success, 
we have much to look forward to starting today. For many, today symbolizes the culmination of a year of hard work and sacrifice. However, I want to remind everyone that even with today's reopening, the pandemic continues, and with that, we must continue our hard work to keep each other safe. At workplaces across the county, masking and distancing are still required until we hear otherwise from the state. And as distancing, capacity, and masking requirements are relaxed in many cases and areas, we still must remember that over 30% of our residents still have not been vaccinated and remain vulnerable. And we begin our new normal as we begin our new normal. Let's keep working together to keep each other safe. There may be some bumps along the road in the weeks to come, and I just ask that we move forward. We continue to show patience and strength and unity, remembering how far we've come. Let us never forget the lessons we've learned from this past year and use them to guide a compassionate and more equitable response. Let's always remember our essential employees, those who risk their own health and well-being to keep us all going during this pandemic. Let's remember our healthcare workers who continuously put their lives on the line to keep us safe. Let us remember our teachers who overnight adapted to an entirely new way of life to keep our students learning. And let's never forget the ones that we've lost. We owe it to their memory to make sure that what we do next is guided by equity, by empathy, and compassion. Thank you. And now I would like to introduce Dr. Barbara Ferrer. She is our Dr. Fauci, Director of the Department of Public Health. Uh, good afternoon, and, and thank you so much, Supervisor Solis, the entire Board of Supervisors, and really the entire county workforce, uh, which includes everybody that you see here, um, for, for getting us uh, to this point. And because of uh, your unfailing efforts, Supervisor Solis, on behalf of residents across L.A. County, we are able to come together to commemorate this milestone with a sense of relief and optimism in our hearts. There were many times during this past year when it was hard to believe we would ever feel these feelings again. At the peak of the pandemic, we were losing 277 residents a day. Our hospitals were under enormous strain with more than 8,000 people hospitalized with COVID and more than 15,000 new cases were diagnosed each day. So many of us are still contending with the emotional, financial, and physical fallout of this terrible time. And I know so many of us will forever grieve the family, friends, co-workers, and neighbors we've lost. We share in your heartbreak, and we know that the path to recovery will be a very difficult one for so many. We'll always keep you in our hearts and our prayers. After 16 months of enormous upheaval and loss, we can now share in a genuine sense of hope. We see only 150 uh, cases, new cases each day countywide, and our number of hospitalized patients hovers below 250, and daily number of deaths are literally in the low single digits. Over the past few months, as the pandemic has slowed, 
we've been able to cautiously reopen schools and businesses. And today, parts of our lives will go back to something that feels almost normal. We can and we should feel joy while recognizing and honoring the immense collective effort that brought us to the point where we can now do this. I want to thank our many partners, including healthcare workers, essential workers, community organizations, houses of worship, and residents who have worked tirelessly since the beginning of this pandemic. In particular, I want to extend my appreciation to the often hidden public health workforce that has organized and staffed the county's contact tracing and vaccination infrastructure, conducted and supported outbreak investigations, thousands of them, provided education and ensured compliance with required business safety modifications, worked to scale up healthcare capacity and PPE access across the county, and analyzed and helped communicate vast amount of information to the media and with the general public. Once vaccines became available, a network of community and faith-based organizations, schools, labor unions, businesses, healthcare providers, and government officials stepped up quickly to get vaccinations into the places where historically access to cutting-edge medical care and high-quality information has, unfortunately for generations, often been limited by disinvestment. Over the past six months, the tremendous effort to get the vaccine into the arms of our residents has gotten us to a place where now, as of today, updated numbers, 66% of LA County residents have received at least one dose of the vaccine, and 56% are fully vaccinated. Meanwhile, businesses across a wide range of sectors and educational institutions from daycares to schools to institutes of higher education, have overhauled completely their safety procedures to prevent transmission of COVID-19. This involved implementing distancing, masking, hand hygiene, and other infection control procedures, which often required a huge amount of work, especially because new knowledge about the coronavirus led to frequent changes in standards and guidance. And over time, as we've shared with you, Compliance with the guidance as outlined in health officer orders has improved dramatically, and we now routinely see over 80% or higher compliance with the most important safety measures. And our residents themselves, including many who are essential workers and keep showing up at the job site in order to provide for their families, sometimes at high risk to themselves, and many who are parents who shepherded our youngest generation through enormous educational and social challenges. Our residents showed up and continue to show up to keep each other and our county going. You have met this challenge in ways none of us could have ever prepared for, and we are so proud to be part of this exceptional community. As a result of this collective effort, LA County is in a better place than any other metro area of our size across the entire nation. Each day, on average, there are only 1.5 new cases per 100,000 people diagnosed in the county. And you can compare that with 2.8 cases in the same population in New York City's metro area, 2.9 cases in Chicago, 3.5 cases in Atlanta, 5.3 cases in Houston, and 9.1 cases in Miami. Only 0.4% of COVID tests in our county are positive, 
again, compared to 0.8% in New York, 1.3% in Chicago, 1.7% in Atlanta, 3.3% in Houston, and 3.7% in Miami. We want to stay in this very good place where we are. As we lift many restrictions today, we need to be mindful that the virus has not become less lethal. If anything, recent mutations have created more infectious and deadly variants potentially capable of causing great devastation. And while vaccination provides powerful protection, many people are not yet vaccinated, including 1.4 million children under the age of 12. There are also areas in our county where vaccination coverage remains low. And even where vaccination coverage is higher, it is not at the level needed to bring us to community immunity. To stay in this good place after we reopen, I ask that we focus on three things. First, we need to continue to get vaccines and high-quality information to people who aren't yet vaccinated. To achieve this, we continue partnering with businesses and community-based, faith-based organizations across the entire county. And our mobile vaccination teams will be making nearly 270 visits this week to places where people shop, worship, and gather. Second, unvaccinated people need to remain very careful and wear masks when they're around people outside their household, especially in crowded situations, indoors and out. And given that capacity limits and distancing requirements are lifted in many places, those who are unvaccinated and in close contact with others, including those at work sites, should think about upgrading their masks to a respirator, such as an N95 or KN95. These masks do a much better job protecting the wearer from other people's germs. And third, if anyone does get sick, we need to take the right steps to prevent further spreading the virus. This means getting tested if you have symptoms, staying home, and keeping distance from other people in your households, especially unvaccinated people, if you're ill. And please, we ask that you continue to work with the county's contact tracers so that we can protect others. Before closing, I do want to review the framework for reopening to make sure that we all have accurate information going forward. As of today, as the supervisor noted, workplaces remain under current Cal OSHA standards, which require distancing and masking for all employees. The Cal OSHA Standards Board may vote on proposed modifications to the current standards as early as Thursday, and these standards uh, according to the governor, could then go into effect very rapidly. Masks are also required for everyone, regardless of vaccination status, on public transit and in transportation hubs, indoors in K-12 schools, childcare, and other youth settings, including day camps, healthcare settings, including long-term care facilities, state and local correctional facilities and detention centers, and homeless shelters, emergency shelters, and cooling centers. People who are not fully vaccinated, including all children between the ages of 2 and 12, are required to wear masks at all indoor public settings and businesses. This includes retail, restaurants, theaters, family entertainment centers, meetings, and state and local government offices that serve the public. Everyone can remove their mask outdoors. The only exception are people who are not fully vaccinated who are attending large outdoor events. These folks should stay masked. 
I want to close by letting you know that all of us at LA County's Department of Public Health remain committed to protecting your health and to closing gaps in health, in health outcomes associated with COVID-19. Case counts and transmission are low because of our shared efforts to implement a layered approach to preventing transmission. As we reopen, we're mindful that for those not yet vaccinated, protection is highly dependent on our continued collective efforts to be smart about protecting each other. As safety measures are lifted, we remain joyous but vigilant, and we're ready to respond to any new challenges that arise. Thank you, and I'll now hand this over to Dr. Christina Galley. Thank you, and good afternoon. Nearly 15 months after the first day at Safer at Home order, I know I joined the rest of the Los Angeles County leadership with a lot of excitement and relief. And while today is primarily one of joy, we remember and continue to mourn those that we lost. For those who have suffered the loss of someone they love from COVID, my heart goes out to you. I'm so sorry for the loss and for the pain that I know feels so real. And for those who are still struggling with lingering symptoms of COVID, I wish you a full and complete recovery in the months to come. I want to start with the resounding thank you to all healthcare and public health workers across our county. Los Angeles was one of the hardest hit counties in the nation. Hospitals throughout the county, both public and private, were ravaged by the pandemic. But every day, day in and day out, without fail, our frontline healthcare workforce proved the heroes that they are. And as we celebrate the milestone of reopening, we know it is because of their tireless work ethic, sacrifice, and dedication to the residents and communities of Los Angeles County. And I'm honored to be accompanied by many of them here today who are dedicated county workforce, and I'm so grateful for their service. In particular, I also want to extend a special thank you to the incredible staff that make up the Department of Health Services workforce. Everyone stepped up. It was an all-hands-on-deck approach at the height of the pandemic. Nearly 2,000 doctors who fought to save lives of those struggling from COVID. 8,000 DHS nurses who directly cared for patients, many of whom were reassigned from other areas across our health system. You were truly on the front lines of this pandemic. And for every one of you, there are scores of people who are alive today because of your service. Be very proud of what you have achieved. In healthcare, it takes a village. I also want to acknowledge the other many core team members who helped make the work possible. Hundreds upon hundreds of social workers, respiratory therapists, custodial staff, laboratory staff, supply chain, pharmacy, they supported our patients and their families and our staff. They ensured everyone had access to PPE when they needed it, helped to ramp up testing supplies even when it was most difficult, and helped to maintain the morale and wellness of our workforce. For keeping the lights on and the floors clean and for showing up, especially in the height of the pandemic and in some of those early days when everything that people did was surrounded by fear. Thank you for doing your part to ensure patients and staff received the highest quality service. I also want to thank the Los Angeles County Emergency Medical Services Agency, 
who coordinated pre-hospital care across the county and worked to meet the needs of all hospitals, both public and private, at the height of the surge. For the data support that they offered also our COVID hospital bed demand mon uh, modeling team that was led by Dr. Roger Lewis, who tirelessly since April of last year analyzed data and provided insight on what the future might bring, and in doing so was key to planning how we might meet the demand for hospital level care. Thanks to the teams that support vulnerable populations across the county, those experiencing homelessness, those who needed quarantine and isolation, those in correctional facilities, and those re-entering communities from correctional facilities. You supported testing, vaccination efforts, shelter, infection control measures that helped keep these vulnerable populations safe. And of course, I want to extend my personal thanks to Dr. Ferrer and her entire team at the Department of Public Health and to Supervisor Solis and the entire Board of Supervisors for their courageous and steady leadership throughout the pandemic. And also to all of our other colleagues across Los Angeles County, from fire to CEO office to the Office of Emergency Management, there were countless divisions and departments that were involved in ramping up the services that the community benefited from, and I'm very grateful for their work. I just want to highlight briefly a couple of the numbers that speak to what was accomplished. Health Services oversaw the community COVID testing effort for the county, taking the reins from LA County Fire in March of 2020. And I'm indebted to the entire team, led by Sherry Doy and Dr. Clemens Hong, who was supported by an army of DHS staff. It was a monumental lift, beginning when the, testing of, the supply of testing materials was extremely constrained across the county. Through their efforts, the county stood up 111 county-supported community testing sites, fixed and pop-up, sites that administered over 2.3 million COVID tests. They worked with community partners, city partners, and the state to stand up an additional 175 other COVID testing sites. And without fail, the testing team put the needs of low-income populations and vulnerable communities first, putting the testing sites where they were most needed, where case rates were high, where test positivity was high, and where access was low. Once the vaccine was available, we also ramped up efforts quickly, even though it coincided with the surge in December, January, and February. DHS has given over 200,000 doses of vaccine. We have fully vaccinated over 22,000 DHS workforce members, over 60,000 DHS impaneled patients. And we have been very focused on our vaccination efforts among our most vulnerable patients. They are disproportionately people of color and those who reside in the lowest quartile communities in the Healthy Places Index. Communities and people that we know have borne the worst of the pandemic, who have served us in vital occupations, who largely weren't able to telework from home, and who experienced some of the greatest health disparities and outcomes from the virus. I also want to thank DHS staff in Housing for Health who vaccinated over 4,000 persons experiencing homelessness and our staff in Correctional Health Services who vaccinated over 7,000 individuals currently in LA County jails and juvenile halls and camps with efforts that are continuing to encourage individuals in these locations in jails and on the streets to receive the vaccine. We also partnered with community-based organizations and faith-based organizations to reach constituents in the hardest-hit communities and to provide them with key resources. 
We continue to partner with 29 community-based organizations through the Community Equity Fund and 13 faith-based organizations with large congregations comprised of black, Latinx, and Pacific Islander communities to establish testing sites in local neighborhoods. These CBO and FBO partners have conducted outreach, provided linkages to care, provided resources across communities that are the most impacted by COVID-19. And they've done so in over 13 languages, including indigenous dialects across every single supervisorial district in the county. In closing, in, as we look forward, 15 months later from where we started, we should be very proud of where we are as a state and a county. But we cannot look at today as the end of COVID. The virus is still with us. Many individuals still have questions or concerns about the vaccine. And our county's youngest residents, children under 12, don't have an option to be vaccinated yet. Today's reopening is a milestone, milestone worth celebrating, but we have to continue our delicate balance moving forward. Reopening our workplaces, our businesses, our schools fully in person, but balancing that reopening with caution and care. We can reopen and continue to protect, protect those who are still vulnerable among us. We must do both. If you have not yet been vaccinated, please consider it. Get the facts. Realize what I know you know to be true, that the internet is a mishmash of misinformation, lies, and exaggerations. The facts are that the vaccine is safe. The vaccine is effective and the danger of not getting vaccinated is very real. And this presents a danger for everyone. The virus can and does mutate, but it can't do that alone. It needs a host, a home, a human body to be able to mutate. It cannot just mutate floating in respiratory droplets in the air. The more people get vaccinated, the safer we will all be from potentially dangerous mutations. If you are the parent of a child 12 years or older, I encourage you to support them in getting vaccinated and help them access fact-based information. My oldest child is now fully vaccinated and it comes with a huge sense of relief. And as soon as an option is deemed safe by the FDA for my younger children who are still below 12, I will be taking them in for vaccination as well. This is the single best way that as a mother, I can protect their health protect them from devastating illness, even death from COVID, and protect them from the potentially long-lasting sequela of a virus that often leaves people it infects with debilitating symptoms for months after they have supposedly recovered. Please consider getting vaccinated. Your questions are welcome and your hesitancy is welcome, but please get information from trusted sources. And if you have received the vaccine, tell others about it, tell your story, Tell people why you chose to be vaccinated. I wish everyone a healthy and safe summer. And now I'm very pleased to welcome back to the podium Chair Hilda Solis for remarks in Spanish. Buenas tardes. Soy Hilda Solis, la Presidenta de la Junta de Supervisores aquí en el Condado de Los Ángeles. Por fin abrimos el Condado de Los Ángeles. Estamos hoy en el Music Center donde se celebra la comunidad y la cultura por medio de música y del arte. Hoy es un gran día para celebrar, pero también hay que recordar lo difícil que fue el último año y medio. Es un honor de estar con ustedes 
y estos héroes aquí que están sentados y muchos, miles de personas que nos han ayudado, especialmente los trabajadores que dieron su atención crítica. Sin ellos, hoy simplemente no sería posible. Han pasado casi 17 meses desde el primero caso confirmado aquí de COVID en nuestro condado de Los Ángeles y casi 15 meses desde que el condado de Los Ángeles dio la primera orden de salud con la meta de aplanear la curva y salvar vidas. Nuestro condado, junto a nuestros residentes, empresas, socios, comunitarios, todos hemos pasado por mucho. Fue un año y medio lleno de miedo y dudas. Nos quedamos en casa y practicamos, practicamos la distancia física para proteger a nuestros seres queridos. Las empresas, los restaurantes, hicieron todo lo posible para proteger sus trabajadores y clientes, pero algunos no han recuperado. Instituciones religiosas cambiaron sus modos de servicio. Estudiantes, padres y maestros se adaptarán a educación de la distancia. Y vimos los efectos del virus en el salud. Más de un millón de residentes tuvieron el virus. Es decir, que más de un año, cada uno de diez residentes que viven aquí en, en el condado estaban impactados. Perdimos más de 23 mil vidas. Algunos eran nuestros médicos, enfermeras durante la pandemia. Otros eran nuestros bomberos y trabajadores de servicios médicos que iban a los hogares. Muchos trabajaron fuerte en los supermercados y negocios esen esenciales. No tenían la opción de quedarse en casa. Trabajaron aquí en el condado para luchar, para ayudar a sus familias. Hoy día celebramos, pero para los que perdieron un ser querido, seguir adelante no va a ser fácil. También vimos las injusticias que existan en los sistemas. Y aunque esta pandemia afectó a todos, no afectó a todos igualmente. Vimos más consecuencias de economía y salud en nuestras comunidades de color con bajos ingresos. Los residentes latinos representaban a la mayoría de las personas con COVID y los que fallecieron del virus. Ahora la comunidad africana-americana es la que es más impactada. Son comunidades que forman gran parte de nuestros trabajadores esenciales y que viven en unidades de multa familiares y han sufrido años de falta de recursos sin acceso atención médica y que viven en áreas con contaminación. Esto lo hace más vulnerable en su salud. No podemos regresar a lo que pasó el año pasado. Hemos visto pérdidas y sacrificios terribles, pero también hemos visto un gran esfuerzo. Yo vi la unión entre de las comunidades. Médicos y enfermeras tomaron más turnos para atender los pacientes. Vecinos ayudaban a personas de la tercera edad con sus alimentos. 
Yo también vi muchas organizaciones comunitarias y instituciones religiosas que abrieron sus sitios de prueba y vacunación. Ha visto empresas cambiar y hacer todo lo posible para ayudar a los trabajadores. Estos son momentos que me dieron fuerza durante la pandemia. Y estas personas me inspiraban mientras ayudaba a orientar nuestra respuesta. Como vicepresidente de la Junta de Supervisores, cuando comencé en esta pandemia y ahora siendo presidente de la Junta, yo sentí la responsabilidad de cumplir en este momento. Esto fue más personal para mí, ya que represento un distrito que fue muy impactado. Y estoy orgullosa del trabajo que nuestro condado ha hecho para sacrificar las necesidades de nuestros residentes durante esta pandemia. Contrata, contratamos a prometoras y personas para dar apoyo para nuestros vecinos. Y también abrimos hogares que se llaman Proyecto Room Key y Proyecto Home Key. Y también abrimos sitios de vacunación grandes y pequeños y móviles. Al fin, pudimos aplanear la curva y ahora tenemos mucho que esperar. Para muchos, hoy es el fin de esfuerzo y sacrificio. Pero quiero recordarles que la pandemia todavía sigue y todavía tenemos que hacer mucho para asegurar nuestras comunidades. En el condado todavía hay que usar mascarillas y mantener la distancia física en los lugares de trabajo hasta que el Estado nos diga el contrario. Debemos recordar que más que 30% de los residentes que viven aquí en el condado no se han vacunado. Les pido, por favor, que seguimos mostrando paciencia y fuerza, y recordando que todavía nos queda más trabajo. Y en memoria de los que hemos perdido, debemos de continuar con equidad, empatía y compasión. Muchas gracias. Y ahora me da mucho gusto introducir la directora de Salud Pública, doctora Barbara Ferrer. Buenas tardes y gracias, Supervisora Solís, y a toda la Junta de Supervisores. Y a todos los trabajadores uh, del condado también, los que están aquí con nosotros especialmente. Es por sus grandes esfuerzos en favor de los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles que podemos unirnos uh, para comen conmemorar esta meta con un optim optimismo en nuestros corazones. El año pasado hubo muchas ocasiones en las que fue difícil creer que, uh, que alguna vez volveríamos a tener este sentimiento. En el pico de la pandemia estábamos perdiendo 277 residentes al día. Nuestros hospitales estaban bajo enorme presión, con más de 8,000 personas hospitalizadas con COVID y más que 15,000 nuevos casos cada día. Muchos de nosotros todavía estamos lidiando con las consecuencias emocionales, financieras y físicas de este terrible momento. Y sé que muchos de nosotros lloramos para siempre por la familia, los amigos, los compañeros del trabajo y los vecinos que hemos perdido. Compartimos 
con ustedes y sabemos que el camino hacia la recuperación será muy difícil para muchos, pero aquí estamos para ustedes. Después de 16 meses de grandes cambios y pérdidas, ahora podemos compartir un sincero sentimiento de esperanza. El número diario de muertes ha llegado a ser menos de 10 cada día. Nuestro número de pacientes hospitalizados ahora ronda los 250. Y ahora vemos solamente a 150 nuevos casos cada día en todo el condado. Y hoy parte de nuestra vida volverá a ser algo que se siente casi normal. Podemos y debemos sentir alegría al reconocer y honrar el inmenso esfuerzo colectivo que nos ha traído a este punto. Queremos agradecer a nuestras muchas compañeras, incluidos los trabajadores de salud, trabajadores esenciales, organizaciones comunitarias, iglesias y templos y residentes que han trabajado mucho desde el comienzo de la pandemia. En particular, queremos extender nuestros agradecimientos a la Fuerza Laboral de Salud Pública. Una vez que las vacunas estuvieron disponibles, una red, una red de organizaciones comunitarias y religiosas, escuelas, sindicatos, empresas, clínicas y funcionarios del gobierno dio un paso adelante para llevar las vacunas a los lugares que necesitaban más ayuda. Durante los últimos seis meses, el gran esfuerzo para llevar a la vacuna a los brazos de nuestros residentes nos ha llevado a un lugar donde 66% de los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles han recibido al menos una dosis de vacuna y el 56% están completamente vacunados. Mientras tanto, nuestros propios residentes, nuestros trabajadores esenciales, continuar, continuaron uh, viendo a su trabajo para mantener a sus familias, a veces con un alto riesgo para ellos mismos. Ustedes todos han enfrentado este desafío en una manera para que la para la que nadie estaba preparado. Y estamos muy orgullosos de ser parte de esta comunidad excepcional. Para quedarnos en este buen lugar después de hoy, tenemos que concentrarnos en tres cosas. Primero, debemos seguir vacunando y dando información de alta calidad a las personas que aún no están vacunadas. Trabajamos como empresas y organizaciones comunitarias y religiosos en todo el condado. Y así, nuestros equipos móviles de vacunación han hecho cerca de 270 visitas esta semana a los lugares donde la gente compra, profesa su fe y se reúne. Segundo, personas no vacunadas deben seguir cuidándose y usar mascarillas cuando están cerca de personas fuera de la casa especialmente en situaciones donde hay mucha gente. Aquellos que no están vacunados y entran en contacto cercano con otros, incluidos los que están en lugar de su trabajo, deben considerar usar un respirador, como un N95 o un 
que en el 25. El tercero, si alguno de nosotros se enferma, debemos tomar las medidas correctas para evitar el contagio del virus. Esto significa hacernos la prueba si tenemos síntomas, quedarnos en casa y mantener una distancia de las personas de nuestro hogar, especialmente de las personas que no están vacunadas, y trabajar con el buscador de contactos del condado para ayudar a proteger a los demás. Antes de cerrar, quiero revisar el marco para la reapertura. Hoy, los lugares de trabajo permanecen bajo de los estándares actuales de Cal OSHA, los cuales piden todos los empleados que siguen usando la mascarilla y el distanciamiento. La Junta de Normas de Cal OSHA puede votar sobre cambios el jueves y pueden ser adoptados el fin de semana. También se requieren mascarillas para todos, independientes del estado de vacunación en el transporte uh, público y en los centros de transporte, en el inter interior de las escuelas primaria y secundaria, las guarderías y los otros lugares para jóvenes, como los campamentos, lugares de atención médicos, instalaciones correccionales estatales y locales y refugios para personas sin hogar o refugios de emergencia. Las personas que no están completamente vacunadas, incluidos todos los niños entre las edades de 2 y 12 años, deben usar mascarillas en el interior de todos los lugares públicos y negocios. Esto incluye tiendas, restaurantes, teatros, reuniones y oficinas del gobierno estatales y locales que atienden al público. Todos pueden quitarse la mascarilla al aire libre. La única excepción son las personas que no están completamente vacunados y que asistan a grandes eventos al aire libre. Ellos deben seguir usando la mascarilla. Quiero terminar informándoles que todos en el Departamento de Salud Pública del Condado de Los Ángeles seguimos comprometidos con la protección de la salud. Al abril somos conscientes de que para aquellos que aún no están vacunados, la protección depende en gran medida de nuestros esfuerzos colectivos para ser inteligentes y protegernos unos a otros. Muchas gracias. We invite members of the media to ask your question at the microphone located under the orange umbrella located right in front of the stage. Hi, I have a couple of questions. So um, I think some people are going to be watching what you say and what you do and the fact that some of the people on stage are wearing masks, others are not. It, people find it part of this confusing messaging no. um, from public health officials. So if you could address that. And also, um, if you could put the current testing numbers in context, given the number of unvaccinated people that are still out there in LA County, um, how much of a concern is the drop in testing? And what might trigger restrictions in the future, given where we are now uh, in terms of natural protection and vaccine protection? 
Um, obviously, we're going to see some outbreaks, but um, I'm guessing that's not going to do it. So thank you. Yeah, thanks so much uh, for those questions. Again, it's very nice to see everybody in person. It's been a very long year. Um, so in terms of masking, um, you know, I, I think we all have to move forward uh, understanding that everyone has the right to make their independent decision about when and where and if uh, they want to keep their mask on if they're fully vaccinated. And as I've noted before, there are a whole bunch of people who are wearing their masks uh, because their children still need to wear their masks. There are a whole bunch of people who are wearing their masks because even though they're fully vaccinated, their provider has told them that they should keep wearing their masks uh, because of underlying health conditions. And then there are a lot of people who are still uh, worried uh, and want to keep their masks on when they're around people that they don't know. And, you know, I urge everyone to just accept the reality that uh, vaccinated people have the ability to make their choices about when uh, and if they want to keep their masks on. And, and there's absolutely no, uh, no reason for shaming or blaming anybody. And unvaccinated people, as I've noted, when they're indoors, have, are required uh, to keep their masks on. Uh, in terms of, uh, is, are we worried about uh, a drop in testing in terms of being able to identify uh, people who are in fact positive and, and we need to offer isolation and quarantine uh, too so that uh, they and their close contacts uh, can be appropriately uh, sequestered uh, until they're over their incubation periods. Uh, we don't, the, the drop in testing uh, is not what accounts for uh, the drop in the numbers of people who are positive. We have very, very low positivity rate on tests. It's 0.4%. Uh, that means that for every 100 tests, less than one person is testing positive. And that's because there's just very little community transmission at this point. Um, and we do take into account, as I've noted today, the importance of reminding people who are symptomatic, who have been a close contact of someone who's infected, uh, that testing is an appropriate tool for us to continue using. Um, and in terms of um, sort of where we're going in the future and what might trigger additional restrictions, um, I, I really believe in, in where we are and uh, in all the work that we've done to get here and the sensible approach that we're taking to actually continue to get more and more people vaccinated uh, because we know that protection is, is like a suit of armor and to, at the same time, protect those who are not vaccinated uh, by having sensible rules uh, that allow folks who are not vaccinated to appropriately, uh, at this point, mask up. Uh, and as you've seen with our guidance, you know, we have a set of recommendations for people who are not yet vaccinated uh, so that, in fact, they have good information about how to take care of themselves and their families. Uh, we are worried that there will be some outbreaks in places where we have large numbers of people who may be unvaccinated or places where large numbers of people who are, are gathered who are unvaccinated. And we're working with all of our large event arenas uh, to make sure that it's very clear about the importance of unvaccinated people uh, when they're around lots of other people for their own safety and for the safety of other unvaccinated people uh, to keep those face coverings on. Um, we, you know, we will, as we've done throughout this whole pandemic, uh, we'll be watching the data really carefully and we'll be using every single tool we have to really minimize uh, people getting exposed, uh, getting, case, getting positive uh, for COVID-19, ending up in the hospital, uh, and unfortunately uh, passing. Uh, so we've got all these tools. Uh, we're gonna continue to use all of them where they're appropriate. Uh, and I feel very confident under the leadership of this Board of Supervisors that we're stepping forward with caution and safety 
uh, while we're doing a full reopening. But thank you. Just, just to follow up uh, on Claudia's question, because I, th I think part of the way you answered it is uh, it's a personal decision, but obviously, I mean, this is a very choreographed event, and this is a wonderful opportunity for a lot of folks out there who have not been vaccinated and who claim to say, well, there's not really a motivation for me to be vaccinated to see, okay, well, I can go mask-free, and this is a, a great initiative for me to go ahead and, and get that vaccination. Um, I, I'm just curious, you know, out here, we're, we've been directed to wear masks, and I, I would assume that most of us are vaccinated as well. Um, that's, I, I, I don't know if I'm cutting to the core of what Claudia asked, but it, it seems like that's where the mixed messaging lies, and I, I'm just curious if you could address that specifically. And then on Cal OSHA, once on Thursday, they come up with those rules um, how quickly will you follow suit, you know, if the governor ex issues an executive order? Sure. Uh, thanks so much. And, and obviously, you know, I, I'm just going to reiterate um, that people need to make their personal choices and need to assess their own risks. Um, there are settings like uh, your cameras are very close to each other. We don't know everyone's vaccination status. There's no way for that actually to have been determined. Um, and so, you know, in this situation, I think it is prudent uh, when you're very close to people, uh, to keep your masks on um, in, a social, in a situation like this where we're not able to verify vaccination status. But again, uh, the rule is, uh, and it is the rule uh, at this point, is when you're outdoors, uh, all people can, in fact, safely go ahead and take their masks off if that's what they wish to do. It's prudent uh, if you want to be cautious uh, to be careful about when you're taking your mask off, particularly if you're unvaccinated. Um, and, and I think, you know, what I said before really needs to be taken to heart. Lots of people are going to continue to wear their face coverings for a variety of reasons, and that's really okay uh, as we go through um, the next few months. And, and for many people, it's the prudent thing to do, and it's something that they feel comfortable doing. Um, I, I didn't, what was your second question? Just in terms of Kalosha, as they come down, how quickly will, will you follow sure. suit with the I executive mean, order? If you looked at the health officer order that was written today, it clearly says that the county will adhere to Kalosha standards. So when those standards change officially in this county, those are the standards that are in play at all workplaces. Uh, so that's already been set up with this health officer order won't require any modification. Again, workplaces have been told that they need to adhere to the current November uh, Kalosha standards that are in place right now. When those change, we'll be corresponding uh, through our various methods of sending information out to the many business partners we have that the Kalosha standards have been changed. And we'll be working both with our labor partners and our businesses to ensure that there's full compliance. But thanks for that. We'll take the next question. Seeing that there's no additional questions, this concludes our press conference. If, you, if you'd like to conduct one-on-one -on -one interviews with any of our county speakers or disaster service workers, they will be available in a few minutes. To our speakers and DSWs on stage, please remain on stage for a brief group photo opportunity. Thank you. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. 
For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.